Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. G'day team, Dom Harvey here. Welcome to episode 15 of my podcast, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Today on the podcast, Olympic legend and fairly average ballroom dancer, Eric Murray. I think a lot of it comes down to like what I do with Autism New Zealand yeah. because it, like they're my charity, right? So, so I think there's like there's a percentage of your votes and the twenty cents that you fucking text or whatever goes to Autism New Zealand. So if I can get fifty thousand people and at twenty cents each to vote for me, maybe that's ten grand for them. Yeah, Eric is currently on Dancing with the Stars, which is on TV three on Sunday and Monday nights in New Zealand, and he begged me to ask you guys to text the word Eric. To 3333 for a 99 cent text vote. The money goes to a charity which is very close to his heart, Autism New Zealand. You'll find out why on the podcast. But yeah, if you've got a spare dollar to um, spend, um, feel free to pick up your phone. Text Eric to 3333. He's a great New Zealander, by the way. We had a fantastic conversation about a month ago. He came around to my house with a bottle of rose and a six pack of beer, which we drank completely while we did the podcast. Couldn't have been nicer. And something happened afterwards, which has never happened to me in my entire radio career. At the end of um, our discussion, which went for two and a bit hours, he flicked me a message and saying, hey, we should catch up some other time without the microphones. I really enjoyed it. So I feel like we really connected on a deeper level. And um, I'm so excited that you guys now get to hear this conversation. Before we get into it, massive thanks needs to go to the sponsors of this episode. M's Power Cookies and M's Power Bars. These things were created in the South Island in 2004. I don't know why, but I'm just hearing about them now. These are a vibe. So many awesome flavours. Chocolate Oat, Chocolate Cranberry Craze, Apri Choc Attack, Peanut Chocolate Bomb. Check them out on Instagram at M's Power Cookies or their website powercookies.com. These things just taste good to eat, but they're perfect if you're doing long exercise as well. They really are good, so check them out. M's Power Cookies and M's Power Bars who have powered this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. All right, let's go. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners only with Dom Harvey sitting in my dining room table with um, one of the greatest New Zealand sports people ever, Eric Murray. <laughs> ever? Shit, I know. I, it does baffle me that we won the bloody uh, Halberg of the Decade. But yeah, like we did a bit of stuff. Oh, oh. bro. Um, so two gold, me- two Olympic gold medals. That's yep. probably the big thing. Six world championships. Six, 69 races over like how many years that you were unbeaten? Eight years. 
It's phenomenal. Yeah, it does blow my mind because I don't think it'll get beaten. Um, and I'm not like I hate. I don't like sounding arrogant, but like there is nobody that's got anywhere near that win streak. And and then even in any sport, I think there's been a squash player like this Indian guy. I think he won in the 80s or 90s, won a few hundred games in a row. But apart from that, in a lot of different sports, there is nothing in this level. And that's like every single race. doesn't matter if it's a preliminary round, a semi-final, we just won it. Yeah, you guys... I, oh, mate. You guys, were, you guys were, were that good. And there's so much stuff um, that we've got to talk about today, rowing and a, a whole lot of other stuff. Um, first of all, uh, I don't know if you want this on the podcast or not, but the um, the messages that we were sending each other a couple of days ago, you want to talk about that? Uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> Which ones were they? And we all thought, oh, we'll come and light it up and be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You, said, like, oh, you said, oh, I'll come around with a big fat joint and we'll light it up. Oh, hey, and, mate, we could do whatever we want. Oh, mate, there is um, there is nothing I would love more to, to um, blaze with. <laughs> you know, there's people that you want you want you, you wouldn't mind having a smoke with. Oh, like yeah. Snoop Dogg, yeah. for example, if oh, you had the opportunity. So you, uh, you're, I mean, you're one of the greatest sports people ever. But um, th- this is my new new hustle. I'm trying to get sponsors on board. Um, <laughs> I feel like if I if I smoke weed with you now, um, I, I might rule out like I, sanitarium. I was, I was just thinking I could be a. Um, this could be Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, Not that I'm anywhere right. near that level, right. but you know, hey, it's uh, it's always a bit of fun. But hey, we'll have the beers and, and we'll have a good time. Yeah, cheers for that. Cheers. Yep. Um, do you do you smoke much? Uh, Occasionally, I'm guessing you I, could. I'm guessing you had to be super disciplined for yeah, years and years and years. It's an interesting one. I guess it's you know like when you if you got a few friends or whatever, and, and on occasions and social social settings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm really disappointed we didn't pass the uh, the vote. I think it was just done wrong. Just the wrong, wrong, the wrong information and questions were given out to people. And even still, a 51-49 in my books is not a... You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. close to 50-50, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's been it. But, hey, like, yeah, as I say, like, in in terms of the sporting time, there was zero tolerance on anything. Oh, because you, you guys, were, oh, you guys oh, were so good. You, mate, had, you had, like, drug testers the, coming the, to your... Oh, they'd come, and, like, we... Hamish and I, I think, we were one of the, the most tested people in New Zealand, and I shit you not, because of the fact that, like... How the hell are these guys winning so much? Literally. And to a point where I had a knock on, because the drug test is, for, for anyone out there listening, they can come between 5 a.m. and 11 p.m. It's 10.30. I'm in bed. <laughs> Fuck, who's at the door? Dogs are going nuts. Oh, drug testers sitting there drinking, 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 up all night, pissing, 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 5 at 5.15. Another one. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You know, but they're trying to catch people out that are, that are cheating. Um, and yeah, we quite often you'd drive home from the supermarket. And there's a car outside your house, and they're waiting in the front door. Unreal. They're not testing for weed, though, right? No. Oh, yeah, but it's all yeah, uh, yes in competition and our competitions. Any regatta that we did, um, any internal racing we did at Carapiro, it was all in. So, as an athlete, you just basically like, look, I'm not even recreationally going to do anything. Obviously, you're not going to jump on the, the roids. Um, and so it was just all about maintaining your clean image because at the end of the day, anyone that tests for a drug, whether they uh, ingested it on their own accord or accidentally, we were just so – like it's a, it's a career-ending, right? Mm, yeah, you see it with 100%. people and it's career-ending. So yeah. we were so vigilant about it, even to the point of they have a strike system. So – if you're not where you're meant to be, because you've filled out all these forms, blah, 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 Hamish got a strike one time, and you know about it, man. All these people that go, oh, I didn't, blah, blah, blah. He got rung by CEO of Sport New Zealand, CEO of, of 
uh, Drug Free Sport, Rob Adele, the chief of the mission, CEO mm. of Road New Zealand. Everybody rang him and goes, we've just been notified about this. You know, do you have you been filling out your thing? Did you realise? Did you this? Because it's big, right? You get if you get yeah, to that yeah. second strike, one more, you're two year ban for avoidance is basically the the thing. So, yeah, wow, crazy. Okay, so now the the podcast is called Runners Only, so we need to um, address that first. You you do it. What, I'm a your, runner. What's um? No, you were a, <laughs> before you were a rower. You were a triathlete, so you must have been a decent runner at some point. Yeah, yeah. So. I guess um, as a kid, before I grew outwards, um, I was growing upwards and I was lean and lanky. Uh, and I would win cross country, long distance athletics, went to, you know, you do the zone, you win your school and you go to zone sports. And I was winning that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, and then went into triathlons. And uh, probably when I was about 13 or 14, I just, instead of growing up further, which I was already pretty tall, I just grew out and got bigger. And then it just became too hard to run. Like, to a point in that when you're going through puberty and, and you're growing, uh, I was just slow. My feet were killing me. I, we were going to podiatrists. We were looking at everything. And I sort of just made – I think I just made the call. I was like, I'm just too big. Like, your, my ankles were killing me. Yeah. I had Achilles problems. I had calf problems. <laughs> it was just because I was too big. You know, yeah. I was, as, a, as a 14, 15-year-old, I was like 90 kilograms. You know, like big, big guy, and of course, body just couldn't handle it. So, didn't really do a lot of running until we sort of did a little bit around rowing, and then probably when I hit sort of twenty, twenty one, um, I could found I could really run again. And it was one of the big things that we did for cross training for rowing in our early days was a lot of running. Yeah, and like Dick Tonks used to stop us from getting on the bus on a Saturday night, <laughs> and he'd make us like turn up to this place in in Cambridge. It's called Mangakawa Hill. Real steep ass hill with all these switchbacks, and he'd be like seven thirty Sunday. So if you went and hit it hard on Saturday night, you had to be there on Sunday morning. Now it was it was like just if you weren't there, you knew about it. You weren't rowing next week in his program. So Unbelievable! You had, to, you had to be there. Yeah, and so yeah. I got pretty quick at doing a lot of that, and I was fast. Um, I was one of the fastest in our team uh, on my feet. There's like there's a few girls that were really quick because they're lightweights, so they're. 55, 60 kilograms, but out of the guys, I was definitely number one, number one, number two, like right up there. Do you, do you run it all now or no? Yeah, I do, but on i got a treadmill at home. Yeah. Um, but oh, that's same, so boring. Oh, yeah, but the problem is I find um, just time, and like, uh, I do, I do, I have run a bit outside, um, but it's just time constraint, eh? Like, mm. Zach will get up and then... You get them on the bus, and I'm like, right, I've got 45 minutes to do something. So a lot of times I'm just like, I'm on the gym, on the rower or something, and I'll mix it up with the treadmill. So there's either treadmill, ski, bike, or row, or I mix the whole lot up. Um, so it's been just quite easy to be able to do that. Um, but I do enjoy running for the simple fact that when you when the legs get into it, it can shed some kegs like Super oh hard. yeah, it's great. If, if if weight loss is your goal, I reckon that's the probably the best way to do it. Oh but yeah, it's just like the calories you burn yeah. just off the chain. The heart rate's just through the roof. Yeah, and you're like around. Holy shit! And you're puffing and panting. Um, mm. and but it's good and it's easy. And I've always, I've always thought the thing about running, and you know, it's globally it is the number one sport, right? Because there's no limitations. You can run whether you've got a pair of shoes or not. You know, I've always said, people are like, you know, we, we always have the discussions around uh, like Halberg times and, oh, who's going to win and you know, all this sort of crap. And I'm like, look, if we had a runner that ran any distance and, and won an, a world championship medal or an Olympic medal, they'll win it hands down. Yeah, because there's yeah, no limitations. Yeah. Rowing, you've got to have a boat. 
cycling, you've got to have a bike, you know, you've got to have a bike, you know, and, and so you go canoeing, you've got to do all this. And so you just go through the list. What can anyone do? Like, obviously, if you're not born with a disability, you can run. Mm, yeah, anyone that can, are, anyone that can, can walk run. can run. Yeah. You can run. Mm. And so that's the biggest thing is like globally running as a sport is massive. And I like, I love watching. I won't sit there and watch the whole marathons or anything <laughs> like that, but I do quite like, you know, you'll see it and you'll be like, oh, boss, marathon's on or the, the, uh, the Berlin's on or something. And so you'll, you'll see it on Sky and, and it normally fits in the time zone and you go, actually, it's not bad. And then you'll see the last half an hour and you'll watch it and you'll be like, this is great. And yeah. then it's... Two hours is a bit hard, but half an hour. Oh, come on! Oh no, there's um, the, the 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 guy that's the goat, um, Elliot Kipchoge, yeah. who's um, in the form of his life. He's exciting to watch. I reckon he yeah. just dominates every race he's in. He's he's like to marathon running what you guys were. Yeah, and I've I remember watching. We were over in Europe at the time, and we watched it. I can't remember where the hell we were, and we watched it. And I, all I remember was a stat, and they were talking because you know what it's like. They talk about records, and they talk about the time. They go, "Oh, today I reckon they're going to do it." Two hours seven because it's a bit hot, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were talking, saying that, and you'll probably know this facts because you're the you're the expert that the world record in the marathon's never been won in like temperatures above like twelve degrees. Or right, something, right. Just because you're using so much energy yeah, in your body, of but when it's cold and you you can just run, 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 and it's like there's amazing stats like that with running that just yeah, and just the f- speed that those guys are running like twenty one k's. Oh yeah, it's like a sub 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 three minute kilometre pace, which I I couldn't even do for one, and they they're doing that for oh. a couple of hours. It's ludicrous. Yeah, it's insane, yeah. insane. So um, oh man, I I don't know where to where to begin. We might just have to jump all over the place with this because you 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 are such um an interesting guy, and there's so much more to you than just the yeah the rowing and the medals. Um, now you talked before about um Dick Tonks, your coach, um making you do a 7.30 run on a Sunday morning to make sure you didn't get on the piss. How, um, did you drink much when you were, because I, I get the feeling, um, Hamish, Hamish Bond, your partner, <laughs> I, he must have been annoyed with you because, um, I, think I don't we, know, I feel like you, you work, you work very hard, but you play hard as well. I think we, I don't, I've never actually asked him the question. And seeing as we're, and the good thing is now he's retired and whatever. I'd love to ask him the question about what, if he really knew what went on in 2007. Okay, so. Well, it's 2007. Okay, so 2007 was probably the most enjoyable year I ever had in rowing. So we're in the four. Uh, you know, we were, we were faffing about. We'd had a pretty shit year the year before. And, and so we were just, I was like, right, I just want to have a bit of fun. We had a good crew. We won, like, the world, we won the World Cup in, in Amsterdam and then. We went on and we got like third in Lucerne and we're like, oh, this, we're, we're on fire. We're actually, you know, we're looking good to win a medal at the World world Champs. Turn up to Germany, we were training at this place in Lingries in the middle of Germany. Oh, beer festival's on. <laughs> oh, fuck, here we go. And so literally we were welcomed into the town, beer festival's on, huge tent, because they, they rotated in all these little towns in, in sort of Bavaria. Uh, when you have your beer festival, it's a huge marquee, massive, you know, fit probably 1,500 people, 2,000 wow. people. And, of course, we were welcomed in to the obligatory hucker and all this shit. Town loved us. And so you're sitting there having a beer, Stein, right? Get to about quarter to go, boom, another one on the table. And I'm like, righto, here we go. <laughs> and, of course, this went for two weeks, man. And this is uh, this is about four weeks out from World Champs. So I was, we were just lighting it up every night, and we had to cut it on the we had to cut it on the head a couple of times because like, but of course we were like me and one of the guys in our crew, James. We were like, well, as long as it's not affecting training, then we can probably keep doing what we're doing, and it didn't. Like training was still going pretty well, um, we were still going pretty fast, and so we just sort of kept having a bit of fun. We didn't go every night, but we still went quite a bit, 
Um, and I just don't know. We, we went on to win the World Champs, so it didn't affect us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it didn't affect us. Carb loading. But, yeah, and, and probably from there, I think going forward, uh, when we did our big training blocks in Europe, um, Hamish and I had separate rooms. And so when we generally trained in Switzerland, you know, we'd, we'd always, just how it works, we always had sort of Sunday off. So Saturday we'd do like a big row. We'd go for a massive bike ride, like three hours, fucking up in the hills. Bondi had, had set the thing, and I'd just try and keep up with them. And then shop shut at like sort of two o'clock. So as long as we got back, straight down there, buy a dozen, chuck it in the fridge. And I'd, and a few of the boys would come in and, and have a couple of beers. Yeah, but yeah. they'd have maybe one or two. So there's definitely at least half a dozen or more for me to have, boom, on that night. But then you can rest up. <laughs> you're, 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 so you're a big guy, so if you have six beers, you're not going to be steamed or anything. I'm not going to be steamed, yeah. but when you're fit as a fiddle, six beers go to you. Right, oh, do they? And when you've yeah. done 20-odd Ks on the water and probably 120 Ks on the bike... And then Shit, you get on the big beers. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it hits you. So I used to do a bit of that, but it was it was just the way for me to just relax, chill mm. out. And it's no different than what you were doing here. And probably one of the biggest things going into 2016, the men's eight at the time, they had a great year the year before, you know. on We had a few sort of, like the towns have a little bit of a shindig, you know. They might have a market day and then something goes on, like a band at a festival. So we'd go to these things and just join in, have a couple of beers and go home. Maybe a couple more than a few beers, but whatever. <laughs> and so they were having a great time. But then, of course, you get one or two of the crew that doesn't like it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then yeah. they'll be like, nah, nah, we're going to knock it on the head. So none of them did any socialising, drinking or anything in the year but in 2016. Mm. And you could just see it, man. The, like, the, the tension in the crew. It was like, just do what you normally do. What do you normally do when you're living at home? Do you go out and have a few beers? Do you do this? You, nobody, in most sports, nobody's going to go and get shit-faced because you know that affects recovery. Yeah. And recovery is the key element for you to get better. And so none of them were lighting it up, all the tension. And so I just kept doing what I'd normally do. If you were going out to friends' places or you're going out to the yeah. pub, a couple of beers. And I feel like, I feel like you were sort of character. You probably needed that. You, you need that sort of um, to let off a little bit of steam or have that social aspect. Um, because oh, if, if it was just work hard and no play, um, yep. I don't think you would have lasted in the sport as long. Oh, no, no way. No yeah. way. And like we... Hamish used to light it up a little bit. We'd have um, we'd have uh, Lucerne. We'd have the last World Cup, and then there's always like six weeks till the World Champs, and so that's generally we'd have that, and then we'd probably have three or four days off depending yeah. on the coach, and we'd sort of change locations, and it's sort of your break, refresh, because the next six weeks you are just focused, focused, focused all the way yeah. through. So we used to have some great times in Lucerne, and and just like have a good party, good bit of a blowout. I wouldn't say like a massive blowout, but had some good times. Um, and it led all the way through. So yeah, that was that was the difference between us. And I think the fact that it was never brought up probably means that he either accepted it or wasn't phased by it. If yeah. he said like you fucking drinking too much beers, boy, you know, like which he, like I'd normally get to January and he'd say, Eric, you're about 103 kilograms. I need you to lose a couple of kegs. Who like, would say that, Hamish? Bonnie, yeah. Was was he, was he sort of like the boss? No, but he was just the one making sure that we were ticking the boxes, right? You know, because if, if I'm if I'm carrying 103, and I'd normally race about, say, 98, but if I'm, it's another five kilograms we've got to train with. Mm. You know, like, chuck a 5kg weight on your back when you're running. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, it, big it's, difference. It's a lot yeah, of weight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so for us, he's like, well, instead of you being, a, a, like, what if you were 100 now and then 98 when we raced, would it not make training faster now? You know, so there were sometimes those questions were brought up, but our speeds were never bad. Like, we were still... 
percentage-wise good and, and, you know, whatever. So it wasn't affecting us, but I could sort of sense he, he was always thinking, <laughs> maybe if he does. So, yeah, that, that, that was always just the conversations that were brought yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Um, God, you must have made so many um, sacrifices to be as, as good as what you guys were for as long as you were. Like, I'm thinking... Um, Sacri- okay, I'll stop you right there. Okay. The next time, the next time I hear a fucking athlete say they sacrifice shit, I'm going to lose my mind, eh? Because of, oh, it's it's such a, but it's such a neg- it's such a negative connotation, right? If you want to do something that you love, there's opportunity cost, right? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. The, the word needs to be changed to go, man. There's so many opportunity costs to do what I do, because that's what it is. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a fucking sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? Nine to five job? Fuck, that's a massive sacrifice. Mm. If you if you're spending your time in Europe while it's winter in New Zealand, is that a sacrifice? No fucking way. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like you yeah, see. But you're looking at the positives. Well, there must be th- well, things that you you miss, like yeah, kids' birthday. Were, were you there oh, when your oh, son Zach started walking? But, or? It, but is that a sacrifice or an opportunity cost for doing what you're doing? It's a it's a very big opportunity cost, though. Well, well you, it is. Yeah, but but that's the whole thing. Is that as as people look at it in such a negative terminology, and every time you go, oh, sacrifice, oh, sacrifice, <laughs> it's so negative, and it sort of brings you down, and and you start thinking, well, if I wasn't doing this, I could have my kid's birthday or whatever. But it's like, well, it's an opportunity cost. It's mm. not going to be there all the time. Like if it if it was there constantly, like it was never going to be that way again. That's a sacrifice. Yeah. You know, but if it's not, it's just an opportunity cost. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. There's um, there's a guy called Jay Shetty who does a podcast, and he 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 said um, uh, instead of saying saying um, have to, you say get to. So instead of you saying I have to go to training, you say I get to go to training, which yeah. is another way of sort of framing it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just always been this. I've always looked at it, and I don't know. I Hamish always brought it up, and he never he's like we we don't sacrifice anything. He goes, this is this is what we want to do. If you don't want, to, and I, I remember him saying it to some people that were talking about ah. Oh, it's such a sacrifice doing this because I missed so and so's wedding the other week, and he goes, "No, it's not. Like you're getting paid to do this. Government's fucking paying you to sit on your ass and row." Mm. So you know, yeah. what do you, you yeah. say? You don't you don't have to get up and go to a job like everyone else. And I was like, actually, and so yeah, we've we've spoken about it a few times like that, and I, and I think it's a better way for people to approach it than than that. You know, mm. like if you have an office job, shit, you sacrifice going and playing golf on a Wednesday or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it it, it seems everyone has it, but but then but the, the, like what. what what are some of the things you missed out on? As an opportunity, Friend, friends' parties, twenty first, right? You, you were there, you were there for your wedding. son's birth. Yeah, you made yeah, it there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, there's things like that I got back for. Right. So I made sure that that was not going to be part of the equation, yeah. and that that caused a lot of issues. Um, oh, but, did it? Oh, yes, was it? Wow, oh, Jesus, that's, that's well, crazy. What year? Oh. What year was that? What year was your son's act born? Because I feel like uh, now, now it'd be an absolute no-brainer. It's like oh, 20, 2011. Oh, 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot's changed in the last I, eleven oh, years. I, I changed a whole lot in rowing because of what happened when I tried to come back for his birth. Holy shit! We we I, we basically had this meeting with the selectors and and said to them, and I said to them, I'm coming back for his birth, and they're like, oh. Could ruin your chances. You're going to do this, and then the selectors basically sitting there going, "Oh, men didn't come back for the birth of their children in the war." And my wife and like my well, Jackie, wife at the time, she just looked at, and I was like, literally hand on her leg because she was about to jump over the table and go, "Fuck," you know, bath, <laughs> you know, like. And then basically we left the meeting going, "This is ridiculous," like because they were just like, "No, nah, we're you know not going to happen." And I was like, look, oh, it's going to happen. you just got to find a way for it to happen. Mm, like how the, less, yeah. the least effect on everything. So I left and then Bondi rang me and he goes, oh, they started asking me who else I could row with. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I was like, That's no so way. rude. Oh, yeah. So, But it, it got, in the end, right, 
storm in a, not well, a little bit of a storm in a teacup, but it did get to a point where they were just that was literally the conversation, and um, and so we worked it out with the CEO and everything, and then in the end, uh, got a phone call when I was in Brussels. Jackie's water started breaking, and the midwife oh, wow. said, "Come, come home." Three o'clock in the morning, get the phone call. Manager at the time, they just we had an open ticket to come back. Jumped on a plane, hopped through Singapore. Uh, she had to get induced because didn't happen fast enough. Um, I literally rolled up, jumped on the airport, headed down to Waikato Hospital, and then about two hours later, when I walked in the door, bang, that taxi. Stayed at home for six days, got on a plane, and went back. But like in a way, I was willing to possibly miss his birth, but be there very shortly after. Yeah, you know, like because do you, you know, you know, like that whole. But it's it's great, but you're right there when it happens. It's not like you. I'd have to stay over there, finish the World Cup, like World Season, a month later, and then come back and see your son. Yeah, I did have that in place. So storm in a teacup, and then ever since then, like people like Hamish has, has come back for the birth of his kid, and uh, you know, other people have had pregnancies and and bits and pieces. So it's worked out well. Um, but yeah, at the time, it was. It was, it was a big deal. Crazy ass oh, time. Real. And and so your son's ex um autistic and yep. yeah, you and you and um, your ex wife you've you've both spoken about this quite publicly. How um when was it diagnosed? How old was he when it was diagnosed? Uh, he was about two and a half. Right. So he just he wasn't really talking like getting verbalizing yeah. words. And he just wouldn't hold eye contact and it was just like he was just running around the place like just no concentration, etc. So we just took him to the develop child development centre. The uh, daycare said uh, you know, we think he just needs to go and get some professional check checkup. Um, and they said, "Oh, look, we think your boy's autistic. Like, here's the information. Um, here's what we need to do." And then we just followed the steps of speech and language therapy, uh, applying to the government for funding for schooling and teacher aids and everything like that. And then ever since then, we've got him into a very good school, Patricia Evan Hamilton, which is special needs school. But so, how old is he now? Eleven. He's 10. 10, yeah. 10. Turning, right. turning 11 this year. Right. Is, is it quite severe autism? Uh, where, quite, where would it be on the spectrum? I'd say he's, yeah, he's quite high needs in certain areas, yeah. like his, his communication and uh, just concentration. But in terms of his functionality, like uh, being able to toilet himself and get himself ready, his riding bikes, everything running, he's fine. Playing, right. playing sports, involved with other people, he's not quite into the socialising because he's not quite sure because he doesn't have that mm. communication sense. Um, but he's, yeah, he's not bad. It's, yeah, oh, that's great. It's, it's probably a credit to you guys oh, in the hard, the hard, it is a lot of extra hard work it's for a lot parents, of work. eh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing and that's why, you know, like after doing a few things and, and I got asked to be patron Autism New Zealand and you just try and help out, figure out ways you can connect and network and fundraise and do shit like Treasure Island and then, yeah, the day we're oh, recording shit. this is the day that was um, that was announced, yeah. and um, yeah, that's your charity, right? Autism New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just part of like it, it, you know, life hands you something, you have got to deal with it, right? And that's just how it is. So uh, yeah, we're doing our best we can with yeah. Zachary Boy, and, and oh, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Has it has it has it changed you as a person? Do you think? Uh, I think so. Yeah, soften the soften the edges, made you more compassionate. I'd say, yeah, soften the edges, <laughs> but no. But see, I was always quite a, a relaxed person. So you know, the one thing was Zach, is you'd be there and he'd just throw his food on the floor or something, and you'd be like, "Come on, bro, pick it up." You know, like there's no point in getting really upset about it and whatever, because you just you got to put everything into perspective, and you got to be realistic about it. So if he's doing something, you got to figure out why. You know, you can't just discipline for that reason. You've yeah. got to. 
it's more reward focused for for kids like Zach. You know, you you find out what's what's creating his frustrations or whatever, and then good behavior, bad behavior. It's very typical, like normal child. Yeah, it's like they yeah. do something bad, sit in the naughty corner. Yeah, you know, like do something good here, you can have this. Shit, that must have been um, it must have been hard hard for your for your wife, I guess. So you're you're deep in balls deep in training, and you're going overseas <laughs> to these things, and she's um she's dealing with a mm. an autistic toddler. Um, did you feel did you feel a bit a bit of guilt at the time or uh, a little bit? Yeah, yeah. oh, hundred percent. Yeah, because I'm as I say, I'm pissing off overseas, <laughs> <laughs> doing my own. But then, but then it did balance itself out very well when I'm back here. That I just did a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, well, so when you were here, you were super, oh, oh, yeah, super yeah. present. Yeah, and that and that was what, in a way, the last couple of years in the pier were very testing. I, I've used the word testing, and it's only just been I heard. Bondi on another, he was on a rowing specific podcast and he basically said, he goes, look, I didn't actually realise <laughs> about kids and like their <laughs> needs until I actually had mine. And at, and at the time, he didn't have kids. Right. And I oh, was, you mean testing like he was, he was pissed off because you weren't so like, fully was, focused no, but what, on... No, but what was, right, you know, what was happening is, is uh, like Zach's, Zach's sick or Jackie's sick and I'd ring up and I'm meant to be at training in Hubba 7 and I'd go, hey, no, mate, I can't get there. Jackie's sick or Zach's sick or... Something, whatever, and I'll be like, look, I'm not going to be there till 9 or 9.30 because I'll, I'll get him into daycare or whatever, you know, yeah, or I'll, yeah. get, I'll get his mother and like, grandma will come in, whatever, but I've got to sort it. And of course, <laughs> but of course, <laughs> you're trying to tell Hamish, and he's just like, no, we fucking train at 7.30, you know. So it wasn't yeah, until, and, yeah. and there was a few sessions, that I, I wouldn't say I, I didn't miss any sessions, I had to adjust sessions. Because that was the biggest thing I always knew with with Bondi is that if I was like, oh look, I can't come to training today, if you if you miss sessions, he'd be like, no, nah, not good enough. So I remember, and and we did have to have a conversation with the physiologist because I was like, <laughs> he sat down, and he goes, oh yeah, I got your erg things from the other night. The other night, Bondi's like, what do you mean the other night? And and Dan goes, oh yeah, <laughs> Eric sent me a picture of the thing at ten thirty the other night. And he's like, yeah, it's not the most ideal. And I said, and I turned to Bonnie. I said, what would you rather me not do it? And he goes, yeah, good point. You know, so, so <laughs> yeah, it was getting sort of, it done, getting, I was the getting it done. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that was the one thing. So yeah, it was it was testing, but at the same time, that's honestly that's the thing with kids and going forward in professional sports. Like we see it with Valerie and stuff like that. You know, she she juggled having two kids, one yeah. with diabetes, and still won an Olympic medal. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's no there's no reason why. Uh, well, not that it could happen, but you could have someone like Lisa Carrington who gets pregnant, you know, and she's wanting to go to another Olympics. And mm. then, shit, what do you do? You know, you've got to be able to work with athletes because they know what they need that needs to be done. Yeah. They're not dealing with Muppets. They know what needs to be done. If they can't meet those needs, they're probably not going to do it. Yeah. And it's a very interesting, like, situation, I think, for a lot of people in all sports. Yeah, that's oh, interesting. Is that um? So you, you're no longer with your wife, Jackie. No. You, 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 it seems like you're still very close, though. Like, uh, oh, you, 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 you got to work together. <laughs> oh, no, she um a couple of years ago she started running, and you you hit me up for some uh, like you know, running well, advice yeah. or something. So you, you obviously still have a good. Rela- it's amicable, or oh, it is amicable. Yeah, and and you have to be. You know, it's yeah. like like shit didn't work out. Oh well, you know, like you got to be realistic about it, and and you know. In all marriages, and mate, you've been there as well. You yeah, know? it's like, look, yeah. it didn't work out. There were things that just were getting on each other's nerves. Uh, we're better to be apart and work together for whatever we need to work together, and and that's the way it is. You know, like, 
you can you look back on it and go, fuck, should have done that a little bit earlier. You know, but, <laughs> but, but you know, like you ask a lot of people that yeah. get divorced and they're like, we're sticking to, what are you sticking to? And, and I know it's one of these things you're like, I don't want to quit. You know, I don't want to quit on this because you feel like a failure and you do this. But at the end of the day, some things just don't work. Yeah. It's like if it I'm sure in a workplace, I've never been a boss, but I'm sure you'll be like, that person and that person are fucking never working together because they mm. will never get anything done because yeah. they just don't, they're not going to match, you know. And and I think it's uh, the same in this. So hey, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah, she actually loves her running. Yeah, uh, she's into she should have her yeah. on the podcast instead yeah, of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think? Do you think the um, the autism pl- played any part? Oh in that? yeah, oh, yeah. E- everything yeah. did. Everything did. The 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 rowing, the not being at home, the autism, yeah. the just. Life in general, just you know, different things. You know, there's you can't just pinpoint one thing. Yeah. There's just too many things to just that don't work. Yeah, so. it, was, it was kind of like me and JJ. It was just yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a cumulative effect. Really, oh, isn't it, it does it's a whole and, lot of things. Yep, and and now you'd be like, oh, we actually work quite well. Do what needs to be done, and it's it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you'd get married again? I, I feel, I feel, I feel. Yeah, you're saying no. I. I, I feel the same sort of way. I don't know. I said to someone, uh, actually, when I was at the edge, I was talking to Megan Randall about it. They were like, why, why don't you get married? Like, talking about my girlfriend at the time. And I said, I don't know. I, I've got all the same sort of friends and family yeah. who I, I stood in front of in 2004 and said I was, was going to spend the rest of my life with this person. So I'd feel like a phony doing it again. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, okay. Fuck, we're getting deep here, buddy. Should we, need to, should we pop that rosé up there? Um, the, the one thing with marriage is it's such an antiquated fucking old-fashioned shit. Thing, yeah, right? the it's system, like, it is. It's bizarre. Oh, do you take this person to be you know, forever? And you're like, well, I don't know if it's going to be forever because you look at the statistics. statistics. Yeah, what, what is, is it, like, like a third or almost a half? It's, more, it's nearly yeah, half. Yeah. You know? And so you're like, wow, so what are you getting married for? You're getting married to like create a bond that you've already got, like to show off to your mates. Why don't you just have a piss-up and go, hey, guys, we've basically just signed the house to each other, so we're pretty much, we've been de facto. Do you know what I mean? Like, whether yeah, you're married yeah, or de facto, it's basically the same shit, yeah. you know? Like, so, yeah, and, and it's more of this ownership, whatever. And so, you know, you could go civil union way or you could do whatever, but I'm not sure. I just It's just not me, you know, because sometimes you think, what did I get married for in the first place? Was it a social... Was it because socially that's what you're meant to do? Mm, I feel like it is. Yeah, it's like, it's, sort of, I mean. it's like the path, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, do that, you get a dog, you do something else. Mm. Oh, and then we'll get married. You know, it's like, oh, buy a house together and then you get married. It's like, well, did we have to get married? Like, because well, what's well, kind of like, yeah, it's, it's what people ask you. Like, when you've been with someone for a little while, they're like, oh, are you guys getting married? And then as soon as you get married, they ask about our kids or. Oh, man. <laughs> as soon as you got one kid, it's like, oh, when are you having another one? Oh, when are you getting divorced? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the one thing no one asks, <laughs> which is a reasonable. Oh, mate. Yeah. mate. Um, yeah. So, um, that's with the, geez, you've, you seem to me like you're a guy that just doesn't, doesn't say no to anything. Like anything that comes your way, you do it. Like you've done, you've done reality TV. You've done the box. God, there's so much to talk about the boxing as well. Oh, the boxing. Yeah. The, oh, oh, the boxing shit. with, um, Manu Vardavai, who co- coincidentally, uh, one dancing with the stars. Yeah. He's, and he's I'm in using, and, I'm, and I'm, yeah, well, he's in Kassari, poor bugger. Um, wow. Yep. Bad decisions. Um, and I'm, uh, his partner, Lauren, she's my dance partner. But, and that, that goes right back when I started doing the boxing. I went to, um, um, uh, down to, uh, Hamilton, ringside gym. And, um, and Rick Ellis was coaching me at the time. He was coaching David Nika back then. And he was like, just run. You need to run. And so I just started running. So we came back from the Olympics in 2012 and I was just running. And he goes, you just, need to Just be, for that aerobic fitness? Yeah. Oh, no, right, just because right. you are moving your feet the whole time. Okay. He's like, you will not be standing still. Your feet need to be moving, 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 moving. 
And he goes, you're already fit, but you're not leg fit. You're not, you can't move. You know, you've got to be in the ring just going back and forth. And like, new appreciation of boxers, man. Those guys mm. know how to move and yeah. they're so physically taxing. Um, why, why did you agree to that fight? Like, so I'm guessing it was um, Dean, oh, you, you, you just did the money motion. <laughs> like, what did they pay you? Like, 10 grand? 20 grand? Yeah, it was something like that. Oh, yeah. More than was, 20. Yeah, about 20. 20. I think 20. It, was, it was about oh, 20 yeah. grand. Oh, yeah. And so for. Were you shit scared? Oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like you, you have your first, uh, like like anything, right? You know, you you want to make a bit of, a bit of coin, you know? of course, yeah, yeah. And, and, and of payday. course, but at the same time, you know, they were doing all the charity stuff, and and so you knew that it was a big event, and and it's you know good for profile and everything else. So um, I just signed up, and then they, <laughs> we were funnily enough, we were driving back in the car from a speech, Amos and I, and um and manager was on the phone. He goes, oh, I've got Dean here. Blah blah blah. We're gonna have a chat. Dean's like, look, Eric, it's great for you to sign up, you know, blah, 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 you know, are you happy with what we've got going in place? Because it's going to be a massive draw card for the for the thing, you know, you fighting Monday is going to be number one, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> and everyone's going to want it, you know, we've already got media teed up, etc. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's what it is, and we'd already been training for about three weeks, but they had told me <laughs> we're going to find someone, same height, same weight, same ability that you can fight with, and then when they put it to me, they said, oh, we'll pay you some more money, and we'll, and you want to fight Manu, and of course it was like, we can, you know, and he got off the phone. Hamish looks at me and he goes, "Manu, you're gonna fight Manu." I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Fuck, no way." And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "You're gonna get a hiding." And I was yeah, like, "No, nobody thought you were gonna do well. Nobody, no, no." And that was it. And then, and then even Rick at the time he goes, "Like, you're in a win-win situation because he goes, you get knocked out first round. People go, ah, oh, you know, big black will beat you up." And that was always gonna happen. <laughs> and, yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah." And then he goes, "And then if you actually go and do quite well, everyone's gonna go, Manu, why couldn't you?" He beat up that little white rain guy, you know. And, and no one's calling you little. I know, no, I know, but that was that was the situation. And so, of course, um, in the end, we just I like when when I went and started training, I was like, we've we've got to do well with this. We just got to. And so, so you just you, what was your what was your goal? Were you hoping to win or just not get humiliated? No, we, we wanted to win. You did, yeah. Well, because it was in a professional boxing judging criteria, which is the most active. Like a 10-9? 10, 10, right. So in boxing... A 10-9? What do you mean? So in boxing, um, you know how you see at the end of the scorecard and they'll go like one one eighteen versus like one sixteen or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if the judges perceive, if we fought together, that I did the most punching, moved around, and I got more clean strikes, I get 10 points, you get 9. And you do 12 rounds of that. Ding, 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 all okay. So a perfect fight is 120 versus, um, versus 108, right? Right. So we had three rounds... And so in the first round, I won it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
because because we we had we when we went to the promo days and all of this, Liam Messon was helping us at the time, and he goes, just stand there and just throw some punches. And so we weren't like moving around; we were just like going like whatever. And it wasn't fast, and I was trying to like really throw some weight into these punches. So everyone thought we were just going to stand there and slug it out. Needless, I was like jabbing, move away, jabbing, move away. So by the time he was trying to throw a punch, we would already moved, and then I'd jab again, move, punch, punch. Yeah, because you'd have good reach. Yeah, and so I had the reach, and I had the movement on my feet. So we got to the end of it, and Rick goes, you won that round. And he knew straight away, and he goes, you need to get this next one, and you've got to do the same thing. So we, we just moved, 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 and you could see them in the other corner just going, you've got, to, you've got to come. So he came at me in the next one just like throwing as many punches. And, of course, and so we both burnt ourselves out, yeah. and he won the second one. And then in the third one, it just came down to like I, I got a massive shot to the ribs. And I just was like, oh, and it, fuck it, sent me. I really, it really hurt. Because oh, they're, they're quite big gloves, aren't they? Aren't yeah. they supposed to cushion a lot of the They do. The yeah, 12-ounce gloves are big, and they're right. quite puffy. So you probably, like, if you get a good, clean shot to the chin, you will get knocked out. Yeah, right. But uh, we just move, 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 move. Um, and then I got this massive shot to the ribs. And then we basically just kept tying ourselves up because I was gassed, and I thought I was fit. I was absolutely off my feet. Manu's, like, just like a big slug holding on to me. And then in the end, he won on points. But it was, I had one round, he had two rounds. So it was quite an interesting thing. So in that fight for life thing, it's not just about, like, knocking someone out. It's actually about the point system. So when we found out that it was about the point system, Rick was just like, you are going to punch, you're going to move. You are not standing. If I see your feet standing still. So he's in the corner just going, move, move, move. And it was just like, all I heard was just, like, move, move. And so all I did was just dance around the ring. Throw some jabs, land a couple, even if they're just to his gloves, didn't matter. But boom, one, two. Yeah. So oh. running for that was like number one. If I hadn't done my training by just like pounding the pavement, there's no way I could have moved. No way. Because like, you, it's just such a different fitness being on your legs mm. where like we're used to just sitting on our ass. <laughs> and like, we're using a lot of leg and body motion, but it's not that physicality of, of the different muscles you need in mm. your feet and your legs to be able to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, it was it was either brave or stupid, but I, I feel like... Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code... Dom twenty. I, I feel like you're the sort of person who would just say, say yes to something and then figure out the best way to play the game. Yep. Or, oh, absolutely. Was it this, like Treasure Island as well? You went on one of those oh, um, series yeah, of celebrity yeah. Treasure Islands. Did you? Um, how did you get on? I can't remember. Uh, I made the top. Eight. I was the first one out in the top eight. Right, right. Yeah. So we we merged as a as a group, but as it goes, you know, like you got two two things coming together, and they had five people. We had three, so we were always going to be offset, yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, from that, then it was just like two of our, me and Shannon had to go up in a challenge, and I just faffed it. It was making this fucking puzzle thing, and I was out. So, but it, but it, did you enjoy it? I loved it. Did you? I'd do it again. It was it was really really hard in terms of like your living, and your like emotions, just because you're so t- you know you're so tired and it's you're cold and you're dirty and you're. Not eating, there's no food, you know, like, it's literally how it is. Everyone's like, oh, they put you up in a hotel at night. You're mm. like, fuck no. Like, 
you know, and if you don't light the fire, you know, we'd come back and it was raining from a thing and there's no fire and you're sitting there cold going, mm. fuck, this sucks. And there was literally a couple of days where I was like, I was sitting there with Sammy Wallace and, and I said, I can see why people go home. I can see why people basically go, I'm out, I'm fuck this shit, I'm gone. Because it was horrid, man. We had this rain, rain for three days. Mm. And we couldn't light a fire. And we're like, what are we going to eat? And, and like, you go to the, you literally ask the producers, like, can you get us some food? And they're like, nah. And you're like, you can, what? And so we were almost at the point where we were going to light a fire underneath our, our like, <laughs> lean-to that we had made, like, that was there for shelter. And I was like, I don't care if the floor burns down. Awesome. But it, but it was like, that's literally yeah. what we had to And in the end, we managed to get all these palm fronds and everything across had some dry wood that we'd stashed up like a like few days before, and we actually managed to get the fire going, and we were pouring out the kerosene from our lanterns to fuck because we had to improvise, and that was the only way. And then we made this massive bowl of rice, and then we ate that for two days. Yum. Um, well, not yum, Waiting but when you're hungry. Waiting yeah. for yeah. Um, because me and JJ went on one like, 10, 15 years ago called um, Couples at War. So it was oh, like yeah. uh, sort of couples. Um, and we... I think we got paid pretty well. We got paid like fifteen grand each or something like that. But they, um, they, had, I wasn't even that bothered when I when I we were maybe third or fourth or fifth voted off or whatever. But I, you got the money regardless. I was stoked about that. So you, you get eliminated and you're a little bit, you're a little bit sad. But then you're like, oh, these these other fuckers, they're, they're going to be here for another twenty days or whatever, and uh, they're not getting paid any extra. Yeah, they've done. I think the the last season was really good. I enjoyed uh, probably because of the lockdown. Hey, eh? everyone was just watching it. It was great. Yeah. And I know they've just finished filming another one, so um, you know it'll be something to watch. And and then with. Me and old Twinkle Toes fucking out there doing a bit of a dance. There's um, you know, everyone just watching TV. Yeah. You know? Um. <laughs> oh yeah. So so dancing dancing with the stars. Because I'm sure I've had you on my radio show and I asked you about this and you said you'd never do it. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I, what, I why why was, the change? Why oh, the change of? I think a lot of it comes down to like what I do with Autism New Zealand. Yeah. Because it, like they're my charity, right? So. So I think there's like there's a percentage of your votes and the twenty cents that you fucking text or whatever goes to Autism New Zealand. So if I can get fifty thousand people and at twenty cents each to vote for me, maybe that's ten grand for them, mm. right? So is that my way of helping the organisation? You know, giving back, doing whatever. So in a way, a lot of it is to do with that. Um, yeah, and also the um, the exposure and the awareness for autism. Absolutely, that and, and can't be underestimated. It, and that's all it comes down to, you know. So everyone's going to have their different charities, and and that's basically what I'm trying to do. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good. Yeah, regardless of how much money gets raised, the awareness thing—I don't think that can be underestimated. No, and, and it's oh, it's just such a like. Honestly, I, I you know I go to the board meetings and and we're talking about different things and and you know like for kids, you know like you know how you know you know what it was like when you're at school and they go, mm. oh, these little Johnny's fuck, he's little shit, you know, he's always up and he's never in class, running around, right? It's a kid with autism or ADHD, yeah, right? Just no support in South Auckland. Fucking two year waiting list to get kids seen to get in the You're child development. You're joking. Center. There's no people to do it. Really? There's not enough resources. You know, there's not enough trained professionals to go, look, this is your kid, this is this, we need to do funding applications. Mm. There's not enough funding. So, like, if I can do stuff like this and then get in front of Carmel Cipollone or Cindy, go, hey, we need some more shit in Autism New Zealand. If they go, oh, well, we already give them, you know, $15 million a year, go, fucking, you double it. Do you know what I mean? You've got to yeah, work your yeah, way up yeah. to be able to get in front of them and say, can you double what you give us? Because we've got more shit we need to do. We've got more programs we need to push out. We need to do this. If I can get to that level where I can actually make that noise, surely that's a good thing. And that's basically, <laughs> what, I, that's basically yeah. what I'm trying to do. 
And it's good that you've got, um, I mean, it's lucky that you've got this, this profile that you've you know, worked your ass off for and you can use it for something good like this. That's it. Yeah. Mm. She made a lot of sacrifice. You, um, sacrifice, sacrifice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just caught, I caught myself saying it. But, um, you, um, like, so you, so you retire and you, you've had this amazing career, you know, the gold medals, Halberg Awards, world titles, whatever. Um, how financially secure are you at the end of that? Like, what sort of money were you getting? Oh, no. So you're the, you're the absolute best in the world at what you're doing? No. And you're on the bones of your ass? Or? No, 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 no. We were, we were making reasonably good money. Um, I wouldn't say it's anything you're going to retire on. Yeah. Um, but it was enough for you to, <laughs> at the time, get into a house <laughs> and still have, you know, still have reasonably decent mortgage and, yeah, and everything okay. else that was going. So it wasn't like, um, no, like, well, to be fair, it's like we had the government, well, it's still out there on paper now, like 60 grand's your top level right? from the government. So we're getting paid 60 grand. So if you've got no sponsors, you're making, as a, as a mm. you could be an Olympic champion, like say the guys in the eight and yeah. women's peer that won last year, um, even Caitlin and, and, you know, that was with uh, Lisa, 60K. If you keep training, if you don't keep training, that disappears. So you you that's you not get, great. That's no, not no, great that, money, is yeah, it? But but it's taxpayers' money. That's yeah, the issue. Yeah. So for Hamish and I, we had a couple of good sponsors that were probably topping that up fifty k. So we're okay. probably like A and Z, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're probably turning one hundred ten, hundred twenty grand oh, yeah. a year, which is very good for what we're doing, you know. And and but that with that comes a lot of stuff. There's a lot of appearances. There's a lot of extra work mm. that goes on top. So then you're like, am I sacrificing my training time? To do this, and so Hamish and I had to sit down, and we we had to turn down a few opportunities because we're like we can't give you any more time. We uh, if we take days off to go to conferences here and do this and that with team building and whatever, where are we going to train? We can't go and do this. We can't go and do that. And that's yeah, what that's starts. true. That's yeah. true. God, it must be hard to turn that that corporate stuff down though. At the time, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> that stuff pays very well. It it does, yeah, and that, and that's the thing, you know, that corporate world is so different, and it's just something you don't realise until you see it, and then you're like, you know, these big corporates, and they're like, oh, we're going to go on a conference and take everyone to this place, and we've got a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, and you're like, holy shit, like, just give me that for a couple of years, <laughs> don't worry about your, your thing. We'll send you we'll send you a message on Instagram. So um. So let's talk about um, your coach, um, Dick Tonks. Oh, Dickie. Dick Tonks. Um, Dickie. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this. There's probably a lot of people, um, a lot of people listening to this podcast that um, aren't familiar with the story or haven't read your book, but it was, exp- <laughs> it was, it was explosive. Like it was, uh, I mean, you don't do anything by halves, including throwing your coach under the bus. Um, <laughs> we didn't throw him under the bus. In your book. Oh, in the book. Has, nah, have he... you spoken to him since then? Has he said anything about the, uh, what you wrote about him in the book? I mean, it's it's all true. So I think. All... I think uh, so. Oh, mate, we so, don't have time for this. Uh, uh, so, so get, give us the backstory. So, you were with um, you and Hamish were so we trained were by Dick Tonks for how long? Right. So, we had him from two thousand and nine to twenty twelve. Right. And you know, he had won medals with Robert Dow, Everson Dow's twice. You know, um, he was the number one rowing coach, probably almost number one in the world. Zero communication skills. You couldn't hardly talk to the guy. There was almost zero feedback. He just trained you hard. Okay. Like to a point where, you know, he'd just be like, we're just doing this every day. And you'd be like, fuck, mm. holy shit. Was he sort of, would you say, he's like Old the, the, the Lydia? Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say Lydia. Like Lydia, Lydia trained himself I first think, by running hundreds of miles each week and then he passed that on to like Snell. I think, he, I think Dick tried to outdo Lydia. Right. I shit you not. I shit mm. you not. With the stuff that we used to do. Like I t- we we could turn up on the on the on any race and I'd be like I've probably done 
at least 30% more than anybody else here. I shit you not. What, now, what are you talking? What does an average day volume, look like when volume. you're... Yeah. Oh. So you're 7.30, you're out on the water. Yeah, so so we'd normally only... We, and the thing with Dick is we really only just rode. Like, he cut weights out of our program, and he said... That, like, this is after 29, 209. He goes, oh, you're going to get faster by being fitter than you are by being stronger. So we cut out the weights, and so we added another three rowing sessions a week. So the average rowing session sort of... It's only about 20 to... 20 to 30k, 30k being on the long end, but it's the volume. <laughs> Only. Yeah, it's the volume during the week. So most, I think most people, if you can get around that 200k's, you're doing really well. And we would be doing 260, 280. Uh, where a lot of them like, um, there's a saying in, in running uh, where you call them junk miles, where it's just like a running at an easy pace or whatever. Were a lot of a lot of the rowing like that for you, like just um, cruising? No, no. Never. There was never cruising. And that was that was the hardest part. So it was like he would put us – so like there's a, the woman's quad, which is four girls with tours, is the same word record speed as a men's pair. So he got a woman's quad and that and we'd be side by side and you're just like – it's cat and mouse. Like you are literally like don't let them pass you and if you get in front, they're not coming back and if they're in front of you, you've got to pass them. So our training just was like relentless. So you were yeah. racing and training every day. Yeah. yeah every day. And he'd set Emma off like six and a half Who's minutes. Who's Emma? Emma Twig. Oh, yeah. yeah. God she, so she was with us in Mahe. So she'd be sent off like 16 minutes or some stupid thing earlier. And then Mahe was about eight minutes. And then it was us. And so he'd go to Emma and he'd go to Mahe and be like, don't let them catch you. So we'd go. So like a handicap race. Yeah. yeah. yeah, uh, yeah so we'd, no, but we'd just be training. He'd be like, you're going up to the bridge and back at, at 20 rating or 22 right. rating. And he'd get Emma on the way back and he'd coach her for a bit and then slow down, catch up to Mahe. And then he'd get us, so he'd coach us most of the way up, and then we'd be just racing each other for a certain percentage on the way back. And then you might catch Emma with about 3 or 4K to go home, and then Mahe would be there with like a couple of K or whatever. But that's what training was about. He could see you coming. like We could see them way in the distance. We're trying to catch up to them. And that's just training was just relentless. So, But it just became – the problem with it was he had – because of his zero communication skills, we got to a point – but we did – we got to a point sort of 2011 where – you get on the water not knowing what was happening. Right, right. And and I mean, like, we had no idea. It's not like, what are we doing today, Dick? He just wouldn't answer you. You'd get on the water, and then he'd throw something at you because you asked what you were doing. He'd be like, right, we're going to do 5K today. And you'd be like, what? And if you didn't do it with full speed, he'd make you do it again. And we'd be wow. like, are you kidding me? Was he a bully? I, th- I think he'd be called oh, a bully now. 100%. But, but- then did you? Ne- I'm thinking. Um, oh, my, do we need it? My, Absolutely. My first, um, my first radio boss is a guy called Steve Rowe, and um, he he uh, he lives in the Waikato now, and he's the, the the best boss I've ever had. And his management style. I had a couple of friends. At the, one of my best friends, Robert Scott, he was at the radio station at the time. And if Steve had to tell Robert off, he'd do it in a very very sensitive, gentle way. But because I was a piece of shit, <laughs> and I was unreliable, and I was young, and I was stupid, he would like. Completely tear me a new one. It was like I was being ass fucked with a chainsaw. Oh. Um, and there's no way it'd be red in the face and veins popping out everywhere. And there's no way you could get away with that now. But at the time, it was what I needed. Yeah. And, and Dick did. Dick made Dick just. He said at a coaching conference one time, he said, if, if your athletes aren't breaking down, you're not pushing them hard enough. And and I was like, holy shit. Like, and we heard it earlier. Like, you know, this is World Rowing Conference, like 2009 or 2010 or whatever. And I was like, fuck, is that what he's trying to do? And it literally was. He was just trying to push you because how do you know if you're training hard enough? Mm. How do you know how much you can do? You know, he wasn't like a scientific guy. He hated, like, he never got into that. I think he started developing it a little bit more later on. 
But yeah, he would just train, 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 and it just came. The problem was he was he's he's bipolar, hundred percent. There's something he's either bipolar or schizophrenic. I've mm. never probably been diagnosed, but now that I've learned a lot about autism, I'm like, ding, light bulb. And he would just one day his mood was amazing, the next day, you get out on the water, he'd say two words to you, nothing. Wow, and then it's not a go, healthy relationship, no, is it? No, and and that was and that was the hardest part. But of course, and Hamish Hamish used to. Hamish, Hamish. The way Hamish was with Dick was that it was like <laughs> it was like battered child syndrome. You know, where you just want Daddy to say, "Oh, you want son, his approval, son." Yes, yeah, son, yeah. you're doing a great job, <sighs> son. That was awesome today. Hamish never got that, and right. I think that's what drove him to just try and be better and better and better. All he wanted, like, was Dick to go, "Hamish, you're doing a fantastic job." Mm. Bondi never got it, never, not once. You, ever. No, not not after the, any of the six world titles, no. not after the Olympic gold. He'd, he'd no, go, he'd come go, on. Oh, he'd go, well done, boys. Yep, yep. Good race, and and walk away. So, like, literally, you know, we're getting on the water. You know, we'd fucking broken the world record at the Olympics in the preliminary in the heats. We smashed the semi final by about seven or eight seconds. We go into the final. We go down to the water to put our boat on. We get all suited up, put the oars in, stand there waiting for Dick to give us some fucking magic words out of his mouth. You know, Graham Henry in the changing room for the All Black, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, let's go do what you've done before and pissed off. And we're like, oh, well, that was him. There was no, no rah rah, no nothing. And then we got off and he goes, oh, well done, shake your hands. And that's basically the last time Hamish ever spoke to him. Do you think, um, <laughs> oh, really? That's yeah. how it ended. That's how it ended. And like, I've probably spoken maybe two or three words to him. And that's that's kind of sad. If you get Rob Waddell or the twins on here, I'm pretty sure they'd say the fucking same thing. It's a real, wow. but this is what I mean. It's a, it's a, it's so bizarre because it's like he just like next person or whatever. Like, and, and that was literally how it was. He was like, one of the things he always said, and it was only made of mine. Oh, you probably remember old Craig Stanaway. He oh, yeah, yeah. Pestered him one time when he was at Carapiri. Pestered him. Asked him about five times, Dick, can I do an interview? Dick, can I do an interview? And, of course, everyone else would ask that, and he'd go, no. And then they'd go, oh, I'm not going to go again. And Craig pestered him, pestered him, pestered him. And he goes, if I do an interview, will you piss off? And he goes, yep. And so they got – and the cameraman – and Craig just went like this to the cameraman, straight, straight on the shoulder, and he goes, so, do, you, know, what do you, you know, you're athletes. You know, do, you, do you need to get them down here or whatever? And he goes, nope. If they want to come here, I'll coach them. If they don't, they're not wasting my time or their time. Mm. And that was his philosophy. It was like, <laughs> if you want to be coached, you turn up because you want to be coached. You know, and if you don't want to be coached, don't fucking turn up. And it was literally the words that came out of his mouth were like, holy shit. And that was the way he was. He goes, I'm not their friend. I don't want to be their friend. He goes, I'm here to give them the best chance of winning that they can possibly get. And when you actually hear that, you're like, holy shit. But... It's done in a methodology that you cannot do now. It's just mm, there's no not way, acceptable. No way. No, not acceptable. If you if you were to do that with a group of athletes now, they'd be like, "This is wrong. This is no like, you know, to the point just pressure, pressure, pressure. No communication. Like, what are we doing today? Or just pushing them out on the water, going, "Come on, more, more, more." You know, to a point where you just tell people. He never said to anyone, you know, like, "Oh, you're shit. I'm going to drop you or do anything like that." But he would just push someone until their breaking point. And if you were pushing someone until they're in tears and then telling them, come on, harden up, keep going, is that bullying or is mm. that, you know what I mean? Because in this day and age you'd be like, okay, look, we'll, we'll stop it there, you know, just whatever. But he was just like, no. <laughs> and how, do you, how do you feel like that now? Do you feel like it's um, to, like to the detriment potentially of high-performance sport? No, I think there needs to be a balance. But I do, yeah. I do think I'm – I'm still on the fence with the whole thing with sport where 
it's hard, man. If you want to be the best, it's fucking hard. It's in you know, we go back to the sacrifice and shit again. It's 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 hard. You mm. have to be willing to just work your ass off. You have to be willing to take criticism and go. You are not doing it well. I we've been we've been constantly trying to get you this. You're just not doing it right. You've got to do it right. If you want to win, you're not yeah. doing it right. And and of course, at the end of the day, your your speed or your throws or your jumps or fucking whatever it is gives you that analysis. You know, mm. like if you're if you're running a hundred meters and you're only doing fucking ten and a half seconds, not good enough. You know what I mean? It yeah, is literally yeah, yeah. if you want to be competitive, not good enough. And if a coach is saying we need to do this, we need to do that, it's going to be harder. And you, they're pushing you, going, "Come on, one more, hurry up, hurry up, come on." Is that bullying or is that just trying to push you? And, mm. and that's it's hard to part. get that mix right, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's why. Even the whole coach development is really difficult because where do you draw the line? Because somebody has never taken discipline from their parents and then someone got a hiding. You know what I mean? Like mm, there's, there's yeah. a difference between them that someone can willing to take a lot of sort of almost, I wouldn't say verbal abuse, but a lot of criticism. Like you are just, you're fucking rowing like a monkey fucking a cricket ball. You know, like something like that. Whereas you have other people and you're like, you, if you said that to them, they'd be in tears. And then they're like, oh yeah. my God, he just verbally abused me. Yeah, like, I, I, well, I didn't really. I just told yeah. you it was some, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, A lot of things can be called bullying. When well, I feel like you probably needed someone like Dick Tonks, oh, yeah, I, and, I, and in the end of the day, I'm for, for all that Dick did and the horrificness that some of it was, he won me an Olympic gold medal. And mm. I will always be grateful for that. And that's the thing. Is I And I remember saying to Hamish, Hamish was like, nah, fuck that guy. He's off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I, said, and I said, yeah, I get that, Bondi. But I was like, <laughs> nobody else would have pushed us as hard. Because like, literally when it was, fuck, when, when it's like looking like Wellington Harbour out on Carapero, everyone's sitting on the rowing machines and we'd pull into the thing and Dick would go, right, still a calm spot out there. And we're like, fuck off. <laughs> and then the next minute we're out on the water and literally we're stopping every couple of k's yeah. to empty the boats out. And he's like, no, it could be this on race day. And you're like cringing, going, this is bullshit. I'm going to get injured out here. But at the end of the day, he was like, right. You know, and we had some races where it was horrific weather. Guess who was fucking way out in front? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, All that, that's, that's the thing. You can't argue with the results. You guys and were that dominant. It, right? But yeah. of course, at the time, you're like going, oh, this sucks balls. But of course, it worked. So yeah, just yeah, that's yeah, it, it's a it's a phase and it's a chapter I look back on and in, in there and it's yeah, it's a crazy one, man. Um, it must be nice that, that you and Hamish had each other, you know, being in a peers situation because as an individual, it could probably be quite lonely. And but yeah, I guess I don't, I, like, honestly, I don't know how Emma and Mahay did it. Right, I have no idea. Yeah, because like, you you guys could like joke about him behind his back or oh, and sort yeah. of bond. Excuse the pun on that. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and if and even if I and if Bonnie was like. You know, like he was literally going that motherfucker. You know, like it was like, and it literally was the number of times we were just like, and I'd be like, look, okay, yeah, he's a who cares, whatever. And it was just like we had to, we, you just had to get through it. I was like, look, yeah. he's trying to make us better, and so you try push it like that, and you try and get it out of it, and then at the end of the day. Every time it went well and you were going fast, I'd be like, you know, look, all that stuff, you know, it's under the bridge. Look, look, it's all, it's all behind us. Don't, don't dwell on the past. Just keep looking at what you can do going forward. Mm. And, and that's as simple as it went. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess something else I want to talk about. I, 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 
I don't know if this will sort of intertwine or not, or whether your thoughts about like Dick have changed since this. But um, yeah, the um, the the cyclist, a good friend of yours, Olivia Podmore, who mm. um uh, t- took her life last year, um, because of the part partly I think from what I've read due to the pressures of high performance sport. So first of all, s- sorry for your loss. Oh mate, that's um, a, you oh. so you, you so you were one of the you'd been in Queenstown with her like. Yeah, just before. Yeah. So, uh, right, we are eighteen on this box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, shit. Yeah, yeah. The pressures of high performance sport. Yeah, they were on. She, her. she got, she, she got screwed. Right. So oh, she qualified for yeah. the Olympics, and then they yeah. selected someone else in her. And uh, yeah, so basically, her and Natasha Hansen qualified for the Olympics. Um, the way cycling goes is they can take that place off and give it to someone like another team or group, all this sort of shit. So they were like, "Oh, we think the endurance team, our women's team of suits, going to go better. We'll give it to them." Blah 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 blah. Okay, and so it was like, "Fuck, you just took my qualifying spot off me." <laughs> so there's all oh, of this. Oh, that'd be and, so frustrating. And then, effectively, Liv was probably the next best person, but then they sent Elise Andrews, who ended up getting a bronze medal. So you've got this like, "Fuck." Should have been me, you know. So there's all of this, but her upbringing and her her situation. Her dad was uber religious. Blames the mother that left the marriage. So there's all of this stuff in terms of her upbringing and the way that she was. And yeah. and and actually in the end, like we found a whole lot of stuff in her room, you know. And she was she'd been holding on for at least a year, if not eighteen months. So in a way. We were keeping her probably alive. She might have done it way earlier, right? So oh, she so was, you're saying there's more to do with like missing out on the Olympics? And I think that's there's a that's a big piece of the yeah, why. Yeah, but she was thinking about suicide well before that, right? Oh, so that's terrible. Would, yeah, so so there's a whole lot of stuff in in the background oh, that you that just sucks. don't know about. And yeah, and and at the end of the day, the only thing that we've learned from it is that suicide is a mental illness and mental illness is pretty much more of a disease than anything mm. because you, she was she was talking to people she was getting help she had all the things around her it still didn't stop her from committing suicide yeah and that's and that's it yeah so it was it was, it it's was awful so, so you you were you were, <laughs> how did you guys become friends was it just through being high performance uh, so sports yeah, people yeah, living yeah, in cambridge yeah. yeah and then uh, a friend of mine andy mclean she was living with Andy, and Andy had because Andy, uh, he was oh he's an older guy, same age as me, thirty nine, and um he was managing a couple of uh, he manages a couple of shell, uh, Z stations, and um uh and he's got other business interests and stuff like that, and so he was basically harboring some athletes, like supporting them, like oh, just pay me pay me every now and again, whatever. So he was a yeah. massive supporter, and so she moved into the sleep out that he had at his property, um and so that's the thing, he was big part of keeping her basically alive yeah. and um and so we'd been in Queenstown and then got home and we were we'd stopped off and seen her mum on the way in que- in Christchurch because it was all snowing that day it was a big storm last year and um got home she's like hey guys and we were like oh we've got that quiz night on Friday night because we're going to this quiz night she's like oh, I can't wait it's be awesome sweet mm. see you later live she jumped in because she parked a car at her house so like, oh, I'll see you later guys and then like half an hour later just my phone was just going nuts, and I was like, I think Zach had just got home or something like that, and um, and I was like trying to sort him out, and he was fucking raining the fridge and everything else. I was like, so I left the phone and kept ringing. I was like, shit, who's this? It's one of the rowing boys, and he goes, what's what's up with Liv? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, have you seen her Instagram? I'm like, no, what? And he goes, fuck, bro, I think she's committed suicide. And I was like, fuck off, bro. She just left here like 20 minutes ago. And he goes, no, 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 go. And so then 
Phones ringing again from other yeah, people. Yeah, because she put an Instagram post up just like talking about the frustrations of like high performance. Oh, sport. she wrote she wrote yeah, a suicide yeah, note right. online. Yeah, okay. and so yeah, and so that all came out, and literally oh. we fucked, bro, one hundred and twenty k through the streets of Cambridge to get to her house. Got there and and we were right at the scene. And oh man, and we were trying to keep her alive until rescue turned up, and then they were like, "No, she's gone." And it was like, "Fuck, holy shit." So it was, yeah, it was it was deep, and and that was the thing. It's just shocking, and and at the end of the day, it's just completely sad because, you know, I think we've all know a few people that have like committed suicide or you know like self harmed or or attempted or whatever. But you know, people, it's it's so it's difficult for me to think like, why are you wanting to get out now when there's so much life ahead? Mm. We've had like how many shit times have you had? How many shit times have I had? You know, like oh, marriage, too many to count. Mar- yeah, but yeah, marriage yeah. breakups. You crash your fucking car. You got no money. You like you're thinking shit. How am I going to pay my bills next week? There's all of this stuff that goes on. Like shit's happened or whatever, and you're trying to think, how am I going to get out of this hole or how am I going to get out of this emotional thing, whatever? And they think that's the end of the line. Yeah. You know, and yet there's and, and this is the whole thing with mental illness, is it's a it's an illness, it's something that your body's just saying, Get out of here, don't be here, don't do this and I I'll never understand, but it's sad. It's basically the only way to describe it. It is, it's incredibly sad. I I think I've become more aware of it. Three or four years ago, a mate of mine um, called Daryl, who was the most amazing, amazing guy you could ever meet. He was the life of the party. You'd see him on on TV at a, at a T Twenty cricket game or whatever, doing yeah with the, the two weeks shirt on, doing the sprinkler in the crowd or whatever. Wife, couple of kids, and he had um, bipolar. Had been diagnosed with bipolar. And it, it, no one that worked with him, and I was a pretty good friend of his as well as a colleague. Um, no one knew. Like he just kept it from everyone. And if he was having a down patch, he'd just you know stay away, and because he didn't want to be judged for it. Because I never, I never knew he was sick. I never knew he had this mental illness, and he's the last person I'd expect to do something like that. So that made me think, okay, any one of us, we're just one one moment away from making a stupid decision. I've been prioritising my mental health since then, just to yeah. make, make sure that I never get to that point where I'm like, well, this is the best option right now. Yeah, and that's and that's really what it comes down to, it's just struggles of life and, and struggles of everything else. And, and like, yeah, man, like it, it can just, I think it just gets overwhelming because I think, it just must be the way that you process like how much shit that's going on or the stuff that's going to happen or you just don't see because obviously you just don't see an end. Yeah, right? I, I don't know, and that's and that's the biggest part. And so yeah, mental health is big, and mm. even some days like you just sit like sit for how many times of I don't know about you, but how many times days I sit there and I'm like, I just really would love to not get out of bed today. You know, <laughs> just call in sick or fucking do whatever or whatever. You know, it's just shit's going on. I've got to do this or like. Zach's fucking broken something and you're like, oh my God, this is just, I don't want to continue with this or whatever, but you just figure out a way to get out yeah. of it. And I think that's the whole thing, you know, and, and that's what the help's for, you know, that's what Lifeline's there for, you know, if you're really straight, that's what your mates are there for. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, like, if I really, like some of my best mates, like I've seen you in Mexico, Dom, fuck, I'm not handling shit, you know, what do I do or whatever. I'm sure there's enough people around you to rally around. And, and it's the same, you know, it's like, but this is the problem. Is Liv but, that, but that's because that, that's coming from the perspective of you being like yeah, a mentally but, healthy. Like so, Liv, yeah. Liv knew knew she had people like yeah, you. But she did. That was the thing. Is like she'd always come around and we'd be having beers or wines or whatever, and and we'd just be sitting there having a chat and talking about stuff. And and I, I was talking to her saying, look, look you know, like the Olympics is gone. Let's focus on Birmingham. And she was like, all oh, buoyed. We were taking notes. I was like, let's do this. 
you need to go to these competitions next year. Yeah, okay, it's going to open up. And we were like writing it all down. We had it all planned out. I was like, yeah, we, well, if you need to go to a meeting, Andy will come in and we'll get them to understand. Blah, blah, blah. And so she was like fully buoyed. Yeah. Fully Just buoyed. looking had, towards the future. That, she had an absolute ball in Queenstown. Like we, she'd never been skiing, snowboarding. We were just lighting it up. It was amazing doing torpedoes with things, drinks on the thing. It was like, wow. And then just came home. It's hard to understand, eh? So and you... that's a, it's, it's, a, it's crazy, man. It's such a minefield. And I just I just hope anyone listening, anyone listening, you're bloody struggling, give me, Dom, fuck, DMs, get in there, just honestly. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to talk about it. You're, um, you're, 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 quite, you're a stoic, though, aren't you? You're, um, you're, a, you're a strong dude. Yeah, and that's part of, I don't know, I just don't know if that's, and this is the other thing, this is the whole thing, you know, is it upbringing, you know, like were you, you know, were, were you had to be quite independent or, you know, was it was your upbringing good? Because I think a lot of it comes back to those core things of how you were brought up. And poor old Liv was like super religious and then of course mum leaves dad and then he thinks mm. she's the devil and so Liv gets it rammed down the throat that the mum's the fucking devil and yet mum's just like, I'm out of this abusive relationship. Dad never said it was abusive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now she thinks mum's the devil Dad's done nothing wrong, and then she finds out actually, my life was basically a fucking lie because there's no Jesus, you know. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and it's it's just like, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she, she literally found yeah. her opening, and she was just loose. She was loving it. She was like partying, just having a great time. Massive friends group, mm. enjoying herself, like everything. And yet, that was just not enough. Not enough. Uh, Going to that mental health thing yeah. as well, like I, I've spoken to Jackie a few times, you know, and, and Your ex-wife, Zach, yeah. with Zach and, and everything, you know, she lost her job in COVID and, and everything mm. else. She runs because it's good for her mental health. Yeah. She gets 100%. out and she loves running. She's just like, I love getting out there. She goes, it's great for my head. I clear everything. I listen to music. Like rain or hail mm. or shine, she is out running and she loves it and she does it every day. And yeah. It just helps clear her head, gets her ready for the day. And if you need to do something for ready for the day, that's exactly what she does. Yeah, well, you got to. Um, I mean, you got to do what you can to help yourself. Like, uh, I reckon, like before you go to the doctor and say I, I need medication, yeah, make sure you're eating right. Uh, if you're drinking too much, drink a bit less. Get some exercise. You got to. You got to. You got to fucking fight for yourself. Um, yeah, well, that's it. No one's going to do it for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, not that you. Not that you. You absolutely shouldn't. But did, did you feel any sort of guilt about Liv? You know, the fact that you were like the last person. Nah, nah, good, nah good. it was it was one of these things. I and like, as I say, when we found stuff in her room, you know, booklets with you know what to do when you're thinking suicidal thoughts, and you know, no, yeah. like, it's like talk to Andy, talk to Thea, and talk to Eric, you know, like and and then go get some KFC or because it was like watch your food, you know, go get some KFC or watch some Netflix, whatever it was, and so it was just all the things. So every time she's like, "Hey guys, I want to come around," now it all makes sense. Yeah, right, right. So I don't think there's any guilt because we never. Did we know? Did we ever think? We, we knew she was having a tough time with all the cycling stuff, and Andy was there like going into meetings with the CEO and, and all this sort of stuff. I was there saying, look, look like, let's just, you're going to have to just keep training, looking at what the next step is. So, you know, like there's no, there's absolutely no guilt. It's basically just sadness because we were like, yeah. you just, you lose a friend, someone that you thought had all the world in front of her, and you're just like, sad, 100% sad. Yeah, but from what you were saying, like that that uh, thing you saw about what to do when you're having suicidal thoughts, like EKFC mm. or go go into Eric's or whatever, seems like she was um, like fighting for her survival with every fibre of her being. Like she obviously had these yeah. overwhelming thoughts often. Yeah, and but that's it, right? So that's mental. It's mental mm. illness. So 
Like what can like she was helping herself. Um, did she get enough help? I don't know. Yeah. And th- and this is the whole thing, you know, because she never attempted. You know, like you get people that haven't attempted suicide and they just don't do it right or they don't whatever or it's a cry for help. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like I think there's so much talk about it in this day and age that you'd like to think, and I'd like to think that someone. You know, if one of my mates was like, fuck, I'm really not, like, I'm struggling, I'd be like, bro, move into my house, live in the room, don't pay for any, like, deal with your shit, if you've got no job, whatever, you can stay for me as long as you want. Yeah. You know, like, I'll take a burden off your shoulders so that you can do it. And if I have to help pay for you to go and fucking see somebody, I'll pay for you to Mm. go and see somebody. And that's the thing, right, because... You look at statistics of, you know, if, if, if you've got a few people around that wrap around all of those people, we could halve that. Yeah. You know, like, you could halve that. If you get a good group of people that say, look, come and, come and sleep here, you know, come and live here. Come do this. I'll look after this. You know, if you've got some, let's, let's work this out. Let's do this. Let's find you something to do. Just sit on the couch. Don't mm. care. Just whatever. Just stay away from this. Get off the booze. Do this. Just start to reset, right? Yeah. Have a reset. Yeah, like, live knew that, though. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So what do you do? Mm. Yeah, oh, that's rough. That's a rough thing to go. Sorry, you had to go through that. Oh, hey, look, yeah, yeah. it's it's another chapter, buddy. <laughs> Just like this today is another chapter of my life, everyone. Talking to Dom Harvey on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> and I think we'll end it there. Thank you very much, Eric, for your conversation. Really appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. By the way, Eric Murray is still on Dancing with the Stars in New Zealand at the time I'm recording this. Um, if you want to flick him a text vote, Eric to 3333, that'll cost you 99 cents, and it might keep him in the competition. Even though there's a lot of dancers there, they deserve to be on TV way more than he does. Big thanks again to the sponsors of this episode, M's Power Bars and M's Power Cookies. Check them out wherever you buy your groceries from. If you can't find them, just go and ask at the counter and someone, or ask one of the staff members and someone can point you in the right direction. So many amazing flavours, chocolate oat, chocolate cranberry craze, apricot choc attack, peanut chocolate bomb, They are my jam. I'm obsessed with them at the moment. They're really great if you're going out for a long run or a long bike ride, but also just a nice thing to have in the pantry. So thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate the support, and thank you very much for listening. Love you guys. Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.